0: Hello and welcome to the Semantic Cybersecurity Brief, our fortnightly podcast where we discuss all things cybersecurity. I'm Dick O'Brien and joining me today once again is Semantic Threat Researcher Bridget O'Gorman. In this week's podcast, we'll be discussing a new strain of ransomware that's being used in attacks against Ukraine. And we'll also be taking a look at a recent uh, slew of arrests of suspects that are alleged to be involved in some major cybercrime groups. Uh, But first, uh, we at the Semantic Threat Hunter team published a new piece of research this week. And since you are the author of this research, Bridget, I think there's probably no better person to talk about it.
1: (laughs) Um, Thanks, Dick. Yeah, so this is a blog about a group that we track as Billbug, which is tracked by some other vendors as Lotus Blossom. And in the blog, we detailed a campaign that the group has been engaged in since at least March 2022, in which it has compromised a digital a digital certificate authority um, in an asian country as well as compromising multiple government agencies in various countries in asia as well
0: okay um but i maybe before we kind of get into the 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 meat of the blog uh, maybe you can give us a little bit of background about billbug because uh, i think this isn't the first time that we've covered this group is it
1: no, we actually first published about Billbug, I think it was the first time anyway, Um, back in 2018, though at that time we were tracking the activity under the name Thrip. However, a subsequent investigation we carried out into the group in 2019 led us to conclude that Thrip and Billbug were most likely the same group, so now we track all the activity um under the Billbug name. That activity that we published on in 2018 That concerned bug targeting organizations in the communications, geospatial imaging and defense sectors. Um, It's a pretty interesting sectors there, really. Um, And they were both in the US as well as Southeast Asia. And the most notable discovery probably in that campaign was that bug had targeted a satellite communications operator, as well as a geospatial imaging and mapping company, um, a defense contractor, and then also three telecommunications providers. And Billbug in that campaign used a mix of living off the land tools um, and custom malware, which does seem to be something of a hallmark of the group's activity and using that kind of mixture of living off the land or commercially available tools along with its own custom malware. Um, In 2019 then, we published about how we had observed Billbug attacking at least 12 organisations that were all located within Southeast Asia, and its targets then included organizations in various um, different places, including Hong Kong, Macau, um, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, and Vietnam as well. And it was during this campaign, too, that we discovered that this activity was all likely to be book um, due to the use in that activity of two custom pieces of malware, um, two backdoors, the Hanatog backdoor, as well as another backdoor um, known as Sage Runoxx. And these malware families were also seen in the activity that we documented in our um, recent blog that we published this week too. And that's how we were able to link all this activity to Bill Book. Um, and the victims of this 2019 activity, they were also in similar um, sort of sectors. They were in the government, defence and communication sectors. So they those do seem to be the sort of sectors Bill Book is primarily interested in. And Bilbo is a pretty long-established um, advanced persistent threat group. It's actually believed to have been active since around 2009. And in that time, its primary focus does appear to have been on organisations in Asia generally, as we see in this campaign that we documented, and particularly in Southeast Asia as well. So it does appear that those behind billbug appear to have kind of a strategic interest in countries in that particular region. <sighs>
0: OK, so that's the, the lowdown on Billbug. Um, do you want to tell us uh, what we have seen them doing recently?
1: Yes. Yeah, so in the recent campaign, we saw the victims, as I said, included a certificate authority as well as government and defence agencies in various countries in Asia. And at least one of those government victims, there were a large number of machines on the network that the attackers had successfully um, compromised now, obviously, the targeting of government agencies um is always something that's quite interesting um when we see it. But I think the, I think the targeting of a certificate authority is particularly notable um in this case as if the attackers were able to successfully compromise it to access certificates, they could potentially use it for pretty you know nefarious activities. They could use them to sign malware with a valid certificate that may help um. Attackers avoid detection on victim machines, and they could also potentially use these compromised certificates to intercept HTTPS traffic as well. Um, however, although this is a possible motivation for targeting a certificate authority um, and potentially kind of alarming motivation, too, and um, semantic researchers, we didn't actually see any evidence to suggest that they were successful in compromising those digital certificates. And we did, uh, Semantic did reach out as well to notify the search authority in question as well to inform them that we'd seen this activity on their network.
0: Hmm. Uh, yeah, always interesting targeting with this group. And I, I guess in, in this um, research uh, is no exception, you know, with, with, the, with those um, organizations. um. So so that's the targets. Can, can you give us any insights into, um, I guess, the attack chain um, that, that that they use, or what, what kind of methodology is behind these attacks?
1: Yeah, so we did get a bit of insight into the, the attack chain. So I suppose when it comes to the kind of initial infection vector, and uh, there's some indication that the attackers were potentially exploiting public facing applications um in order to gain initial access to victim networks in this campaign. And um, we did also see the attackers using multiple Julius tools um, during this campaign as well, as well as its custom malware. And as we already said, Bill Bug's extensive use of Julius and the Beauty tools and um, was noted with its previous campaigns as well. And among the Julius tools we saw leverage in this recent activity were um AdFind, WinMail, WinRAR, MBT Scan and search Teal, among others as well. And those tools are, I suppose, tools we do often seem being exploited by um malicious actors, um, frequently by ransomware actors as well. Um so it's like really that use of living orthodoxy use tools is really so kind of popular essentially among um malicious actors now, I would say. Um and multiple files as well that are believed to be loaded to the Halitog backdoor, which we saw in Billbug's twenty nine nineteen activity. They were also spotted on victim machines before um, before backdoor was deployed in the compromised system. And this backdoor has multiple functionalities, um, including updating the firewall settings, uh, achieving persistence, stopping services, uploading encrypted data, as well as executing commands and being able to download files to the infected machine. Um, Another interesting tool we saw was a tool called Stowaway Proxy Tool. Um, And this was also seen on victim Machines. And Stowaway is actually what's called a multi-level proxy tool. It's written in Go. And it's actually intended for use by penetration testers. So users of this tool, they could use it to proxy external traffic to the internet through multiple nodes to break through internet access restrictions, construct a, excuse me, Sort of tree like node network and easily implement management functions. Um, it's quite a powerful tool and it's interesting because I suppose it's not unusual to see penetration testing tools being misused by threat actors. So maybe this is another tool we might see uh, potentially being misused more frequently. Obviously, Cobalt Strike uh, is the really obvious example of penetration testing tools that are often misused. Um, You know, that's really misused so much now, it's essentially considered commodity malware by most people due to how often it's used by malicious actors and we have seen other you know sort of potential cobalt strike replacements as well like brute rattle and sliver being misused by uh, um, actors as well recently so um, that's kind of an interesting thing to note as well I thought
0: Hmm. and aside from uh, all of these um, you know dual use and pen testing tools they were also using malware as well weren't they
1: yeah, so as I said, the group is using a backdoor called Hanatog and they're also using another backdoor that's um, attributed to Billbook called Sage Runex. And Hanatog is a custom backdoor that can give the attackers persistent presence on the victim's network. While Sage Runex is a pretty resilient backdoor, it can implement multiple forms of communication. Um, with its command and control server, notably. And notably here, the analyzed sample had no hard, hard code or configuration, actually, so it had to be dropped on the machine by loader malware, um, such as Hanato, which can be used in a loader malware, although it's not entirely clear if that's um what was used uh, in this particular instance. Um, and, you know, as I said, Actors using usually these usually we have the land tools, and custom malware is very kind of common now for sophisticated threat actors. But when it comes to motivation then, I think in this campaign, while we don't see data being exfiltrated, um, while we did not actually observe data being exfiltrated in this campaign, book is widely regarded as being an espionage actor. Um, so it's most likely data theft was the most likely motivation in this campaign. You know, the victims in this campaign being government agencies and a search authority, it all points to kind of espionage and data theft motive, obviously the kind of data theft motive being there from the search authority. Um, And this targeting of the government victims is most likely driven by these espionage motivations, with the search authority likely targeted them in order to steal those legitimate digital certificates, as mentioned um, earlier, which could then obviously potentially give them, you know, further access uh, to other victims if they were successful And I suppose the ability of Bilbo to compromise multiple multiple victims like this, uh, kind of at more or less the same time, it does indicate that the threat group, you know, remains a very skilled and probably well-resourced operator um, that's able to carry out these kind of sustained campaigns, despite the fact it has been around for such a long time. You know, it doesn't seem that it's... uh, sort of going anywhere um, and interestingly as well you know I think it's notable that the group appears to be undeterred by the possibility of you know kind of having this activity attributed to them you know it's reusing tools that have been linked to the group in the past you know the kind of fear of discovery or having activity attributed to it you know doesn't seem to be um, very strong for this group I would say you know it's it's very really happy not, not happy enough to have this activity attributed to it but it doesn't seem too worried about it if it is
0: yeah, it sounds like it. All right.
1: Um, but that's that. That's that. I think on the blog. Uh, so maybe let's turn to you, Dick, and maybe we can discuss um the ransomware attacks against Ukraine. Um, it's kind of unusual to see ransomware like this directed against just you know one individual country, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it, it sure is, uh, and I guess that's what makes this it, interesting uh, and why we're, we're we're talking about it. Uh, so. This all started in the middle of October um, when Microsoft put out a blog uh, detailing how a new ransomware family uh, that was calling itself Prestige uh, was targeting organizations in Ukraine and also Poland, I might add. Um, It appeared to be heavily focused on the transport and logistics sector. Um, so, according to um, Microsoft, the ransomware had begun circulating approximately a week earlier, uh, and it had been deployed against um, multiple organizations um, within a matter of hours, and it did the usual ransomware thing uh, before leaving a ransomware note in which it uh, said that it, uh, computers had been encrypted by the Prestige ran Um I'm not sure if the um, Misspelling was intentional or not. Um, so, it, you know, at the time, it was unclear um, who was behind it. But right from the off, there was there was a lot of, um, I guess, uh, speculation and indeed some evidence that suggests that Prestige uh, may be linked to Russian state-sponsored actors. Um, because um, you know, the speculation was probably prompted by the fact that uh, you know, the, the this is designed to disrupt logistics in Ukraine uh and also Poland, which is a key kind of staging point uh, for supplying Ukraine. Um uh, also pointing to the fact that it might be state-sponsored was uh, prestige hadn't been seen before, um, and it didn't really have any links to any current active cybercrime groups. Um, And then deployment just against um, such a narrow geographic range of victims uh, is unusual, Uh, but also uh, it was noted that the profile of the victims was very, very similar to the types of organizations that were targeted by the hermetic wiper attacks, uh, which was Russia. Uh, so then this week Microsoft um they updated their blog um with some more information and the main finding uh was that they were able to tie uh this Prestige ransomware to the Sandworm group um whom they call Iridium um Sandworm um as we've mentioned on the uh podcast before that they're, they're uh, a Russian state-sponsored group um and they've been linked uh to russian military intelligence um so microsoft said that was very likely to be behind the attacks and they based that uh, attribution on on a lot of things uh, the forensic a- a artifacts um so i'm presuming that means some kind of code overlap with known sandworm tools, Uh, they said there was overlaps in victimology and tradecraft and infrastructure uh, with known sandworm activity Um, uh, and also and this is probably the biggest smoking gun, it seems that um, a lot of the prestige victims had uh, been compromised by sandworm as far back as march 2022 uh, and these compromises were occurring right up to the the week of the ransomware attack so uh, you know it sounds like uh, that they kind of uh, rolled out the ransomware against a whole load of organizations that they had in some cases compromised months and months earlier
1: yeah it's pretty interesting and um, finding but prestige isn't the only ransomware family that we've seen being used to attack ukraine recently is it
0: No, uh, they're actually coming thick and fast at the moment because just three days later, I think the Ukrainian government itself said that uh, Russian hacktivists were behind a new family of ransomware uh, called Somnia uh, that was being used against targets in that country. Um, uh, They came out and said that the ransomware was the work of a group um, known as From Russia With Love. Uh, They've also been known to call themselves Z-Team, and the Ukrainian government calls them UAC-0118. And apparently they they weren't that surreptitious about their involvement with this because uh, they had disclosed the development of the ransomware on Telegram, And then afterwards, uh, they began boasting um, about attacks against tank producers um, in Ukraine. Um, It's uh, it's not kind of a you know um, spray and pray ransomware that actually seems to be um, uh, used in in a very targeted fashion, and and the attack chain is is sort of like what you would see from from your professional or ransomware attackers. um, uh, The initial infection vector is websites that pretend to be offering advanced ip scanner for download and if you're tricked into downloading it you actually end up installing an information stealer called vdar Um, that steals telegram session data and then that's used to take control of the victim's telegram account Um, and then they use that to uh, steal their vpn uh, configuration files uh, including certs and authentication data and whatnot. And uh, if the victim is unlucky enough not to have um, two-factor authentication set up, uh, they can then log into the VPN uh, and then they kind of start um, recon on the network with Netscan and then Cobalt Strike is introduced and they exfiltrate data using R-Clone, uh, all of this kind of thing that we, we've seen before uh, before deploying the ransomware.
1: Yeah, those are all very uh, familiar names. We often yeah, see them as sure by work. the yeah, professional yeah. ransomware actors, all right. Um, and then some of the other stories you wanted to look at this week as well, Um, which is mostly about arrests, I think, because there's been a lot of them recently, hasn't there?
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's... Kind of interesting um, how many people are being arrested recently, um, and the fact that they're all uh, suspects for for pretty high level um, cyber crime. That like you know none of these people uh, these suspects are, are considered to be bit players. Um, I guess the first one to talk about is the arrest in Geneva of a Ukrainian national who's uh, alleged to be the mastermind behind. Uh, a huge banking fraud operation uh, that was known as Jabber Zeus. Uh, This um, hasn't been announced officially, the arrest, but security reporter Brian Krebs, who is, um, you know, uh, one of the top guys in this game, uh, said that he had confirmed the arrest with multiple sources uh, and apparently it had taken place three weeks ago.
1: Right, so who is the suspect man to be then?
0: Uh, the guy's name is Penchikov, um, and he is alleged to be the person behind the handle Tank, um, and Tank was the ringleader of, of the group known as Jabber Zeus uh, Crew. Um, now, this is actually going back quite a long time, uh, so people who have been kind of working in the industry for, for a good while will... Probably remember this, um, but Jabber Zeus, they were quite a tight knit group, but they were very, very successful and they're believed to have uh, defrauded um, lots of organizations in, in the US and Europe and out of tens of billions of dollars um, using their own um, variant of the notorious Zeus banking Trojan. And uh, Penchikov was actually indicted in 2014 um, by the US Department of Justice. Um, and they had named him as the leader of Jabber Zeus.
1: Wow, so he was indicted eight years ago. So why is he only being arrested now then?
0: Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, so it looks like uh, he made the mistake that has often been made by uh, suspects in similar circumstances um, and that is that he traveled to the wrong country. It's going um, on holiday. Okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so Krebs is a really, um, I, I guess he's, he's got a big, a long story and it's got lots of detailed background on, on Penchakov. Um It's really worth reading. Um, anyway, as I mentioned earlier, he's from Ukraine and, um, for a time, at least, he seemed to be kind of fairly protected within Ukraine because he quite close ties uh, with the regime of the previous president, uh, Viktor Yanukovych. Uh, and furthermore, um, he's from the Donetsk and, and a good chunk of that province has been um, occupied by Russian-backed uh, forces or Russian proxies um, since 2014. So it was probably likely uh, e- that it was easy for him to kind of stay out of the reach of the law. Um, but then apparently he decided to travel to Geneva. It seems to meet his wife, who was already there. Um, and the police were obviously aware of his movements and and uh, he was arrested. Um, so there's no use yet on extradition. There's been no statement made by the U.S. authorities. But you would imagine, uh, given the fact that he's been indicted uh, over there, that they would be very interested in securing his extradition.
1: Yeah, you would imagine. So he's going to regret that trip to Geneva, mm. all right, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was also another arrest in Canada. I course there's been a few arrests recently as well, but this, in this mm. time of someone who worked with Lockbit.
0: That's right. Yeah. Um, an alleged member of the Lockbit ransomware group was arrested in Canada, um, um last week. Yeah. Um, and, uh, he's now facing extradition to the U S. Um, uh, that's, um, according to a statement from the U S department of justice, um, uh, the suspect's name is Mikhail Vasilyev, um, and he is a 33-year-old Russian and Canadian national. Um, and uh, the U.S. Department of Justice, they, uh, they're they charging him with participating in, in numerous Lockpit attacks. Um, so the arrest was a culmination, apparently, of a three-year investigation into the Lockpit uh, operation. Yeah, and as I mentioned,
1: Canada's... Canada does seem to have had quite a bit of success with arresting people recently who are suspected of being involved in ransomware, haven't they?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's it, it's great for them, but it's also surprising how many suspects were operating out of Canada. It's not yeah. the usual um, profile you have of um, ransomware affiliates. Um so anyway, yeah, this, this guy is the second um, big ransomware uh, arrest in his many years. Um, that's because just last month, um, a guy called Sebastian vachon Vachon-Desjardins, um, and he's a 34-year-old Canadian national, um, he was sentenced to 20 years in prison in the US uh, for his involvement in NetWalker ransomware attacks. Um, he was arrested in Canada last year um, and then was convicted uh several ransomware attacks in that country um before being exf- uh, exfiltrated <laughs> i said it was extradited to the u s to face further charges there um um and w- to which he pled guilty um now Can- canada's cbc news um they published a really long and interesting um article um about uh Desjardins. Um, and his case this week um and it's like it's uh, it's fascinating the guy was an it analyst for the canadian government uh, that was his day job and then he was essentially a a ransomware attacker by night um and he had quite the criminal career you know he was you know to he was a man of many talents if you wanted to put it that way um so uh, when the time came uh, for uh the arrest to be made uh, you know they obviously have to start cooperating with the local police to kind of close in on him. And uh, the arresting officer realized that he'd arrested this guy before uh, because it turned out that he'd uh, also been arrested twice uh, for something completely different, uh, drug trafficking. Um, And at the time that he was carrying out, uh, he's alleged to be carrying out uh, these ransomware attacks. uh, Well, no, actually not alleged. He has pled guilty um he was he was facing trial on on all of his drug trafficking charges you know um and the guy who arrested him said uh something interesting uh he said he told me that he had an addiction to money he always wanted more and more and more and he just didn't know uh where to stop and i think um you know there's uh a sorted rap sheet uh kind of his testimony to that
1: yeah, well, he'd have to stop now if he's in jail for the next 20 years. They don't mess <laughs> around in the US. That mm-hmm. sounds like a film, though, doesn't it? it yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. Like, it, it is, really yeah. does. So Netflix it's a uh, series or something.
0: Yeah, CBC News Canada. Um, I would um, highly recommend people read that. Um, and Brian Krebs's piece um, about the, the Jabber Zeus um, arrest as well is, is also uh, worth a read. Um, okay, I guess we'll wrap it up there. So, um, but if you've been enjoying our podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Threat Intel. And if you'd like to read our latest research, including Bridget's work on Bill you can check out our blog, which can be found at semantic enterprise blogs.security.com forward slash blogs. For slash threat hyphen intelligence. Uh, we're going to be back again in two weeks' time. Until then, thank you and goodbye.